0: Welcome to Life Hurts, God Heals. I'm one of your hosts, Kim Ward, and today we're talking with our guest, Jason Hickey, talking about COVID-19 and the struggle he's had as a pastor and just as a Christ follower with all the stress and strain of feeling like every decision has such a huge impact and how God has shown him different ways of slowing down and taking time to actually just be with him and let go of the control and let go of the stress of all of that. So without any further ado, join us for this episode.
1: Jason, welcome to Life Hurts, God Heals.
2: Thank you, thank you. Good to be here.
1: Yeah, it's good to have you. Returning
2: guest. Yes, yes yeah, yeah, it's been a while. I can't even when, when was the last, it was last year, yeah? No. It was this year? No. It was two years ago? Wait. <laughs> no, I don't remember.
1: It was tw- It was 20... 20- 20 because that's when we started okay so it had to be just before covid hit
2: okay well i don't know because i was it was zoom hmm. right it was i was at my place huddled up in my uh daughter's bedroom with a giant unicorn uh stuffed animal behind us oh Uh, i'm so
0: happy right now yeah
2: yeah it's pretty great uh, well, it's technically a pegacorn. Oh, well, yeah. It's a pegasus. Which is an alicorn. Alicorn. Okay, right. right. Yeah,
0: you needed to know that. Yeah, I did.
2: <laughs> I did. It, it's, it's like um, it's like I believe that every person needs to know the name of that thing at the end of your shoelace that keeps oh, the shoelace yeah. together. That is called an aglet. Yep. Hmm? Phineas and Ferb taught us That's that. That's correct. That is how I learned it. That's how I learned <laughs> oh, it. Oh, yep. Yeah. Life hurts, Got heals
0: aglets and alicorns Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. sounds like a band name oh yes
2: Yes. it's the cover band for coheed and cambria Uh, (laughs) um
1: so what does your life look like these days you pastor yep in covid
2: yep in covid what does that look like yeah so about i'd say i don't know maybe nine months in eight months in the leadership of Renovate just said, hey, we're gonna we're gonna figure out a way to meet. And even if that is gonna be an expensive way, we're gonna figure out how to be together. You know, we're better together, we know that. So we purchased a giant canopy tent. It is 40 feet by 90 feet. Wow. And it is semi-permanently installed in our parking <laughs> lot. And it has 48 spikes. 24. No, 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 48 and then 24. 48 20 twenty-inch spikes and 24 40 forty-inch spikes oh, into the con- into the asphalt in the parking oh. lot, which I said that's why I say semi-permanent. It's not going anywhere, uh, <laughs> no matter how windy uh, Johnson Avenue gets. Uh, that thing is staying. So yeah, so we we decided that we're going to do that, and then you know, uh, with our desire to stay with the city, as the city has changed mandates, we've adjusted to being inside and being outside and you know, meetings outside and one-to-one meetings. And so just kind of at a point right now where we're getting back, I would say, into some semblance of a normal rhythm pre-COVID, but trying not to go back to normal as far as like the quickness of the pace. It's definitely been unique trying to make sure that that renovate stays nonpartisan in every sense of the word, um, and yet also justice-minded and caring about the things that God cares about. And so if someone would have told me, you know, you're hey, starting in your second year, you're going to go into the most divisive election maybe in the church history, in the history of the church, and a pandemic that's going to polarize people in a unique way, I may have said, I'll, I'll wait.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that's fair. <laughs> I probably would have too. But uh,
2: but I'm glad, you know, um, to be to be here to be pastoring in this time, and God's taught me a lot in it.
0: Where have been
1: the unexpected struggles and trials for you in this?
2: Yeah, I would say, I mean, so for those of you out there, you know, listening who are you know MMPI two people or Meyer, you know, formerly known as only as Myers Briggs. I'm an ENFP, and I am a hundred out of a hundred extrovert. So when you are a hundred out of a hundred extrovert, pastoring people online just doesn't really do it for you. And trying to, to care for people from a distance just is very difficult. And I think, I think everybody can resonate with that that's more extroverted, you know. But I think some of the unique struggles for me as a leader, and I'm sure this is probably not unique to the church. I'm sure this is everywhere, but feeling the, the pressure to have the right decision that's literally not going to kill someone. Mm. And having that right decision right now, at all times, in every moment, in every conversation. I think people have been looking more for leaders to step up, to make decisions, even when they're hard, you know, than they were pre-COVID, and you either are a hero or, yeah, or, or I don't even know if villains, you skip get further than villain. Like, you know, uber villain, you know, like,
0: yeah.
2: you, you know, so depending on what decision you make.
0: Yeah. That's you, a lot of pressure
2: to be put under. Totally. Totally. And, you know, pressure and, and me are not, we're not friends. You know, I think leaders in general have to be able to withstand a certain amount of pressure be able to, to endure a certain amount of pressure. But in this time, I think one of the decisions or one of the things that's been unique to whatever whoever's in charge of any organization, that I've been talking with multiple leaders all throughout, whether it's school principals, whether it's business owners, whether it's social media managers, pastors, all the same thing. I, I've never had a season where I've been expected to have a decision that could potentially lead to someone's life or death. Right? we're not the presidents of the United States. Yeah. Right. No one wants to be that band um, from the, from the early two thousands, late nineties. Right. <laughs> but we all loved it. So, you know, so I think that it 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 does feel a little bit like you know you have this decision. It's not I you know people say oh decision fatigue right like that's a leadership term and they throw it around in leadership circles. I just feel like it's not fatigue. I feel like it's like leadership annihilation exhaustion. You know, mm-hmm. feeling like you have to be expected to make so many decisions all the time and people's lives are on the line, you know, or even if they aren't, you feel like they are. Hmm. So, and inevitably you make a decision that it's like, you know, I didn't grow up in the church, but, but like in the days of the worship wars, as I've heard they're called in the starting of contemporary worship music, right? Moving away from hymns, right? Churches would have this thing called a blended service where they would do like half hymns (laughs) And have, you know, praise songs is what they called them back then. Um, and what I've heard is during that time as a worship leader, you pissed off 100% of the people 50% of the time.
0: Yes. <laughs> I, I can testify to that one. Growing yeah. up in a church that was predominantly the 55 and up, but then still had a lot of families. Sure, And was almost always on the worship team. It sure. was horrible.
2: <laughs> yeah, you're either making the hymn people mad by singing the new songs or making the the young families feel awkward and not and not happy by singing these hymns that have, you know, the king's english. And so, I feel a little bit like it's like that. Right now like covid is like it's like, you know, you're you're basically frustrating a lot of people most of the time.
1: So, you mentioned personality. Yes. You and you mentioned the Myers-Briggs, but in the Enneagram you are an Enneagram 8. I am. Which is normally the challenger, the person who looks for even thrives on confrontation and challenges. Yes. And yet I hear you telling me that that's not the case in this season.
2: You know, it's like Isaiah 40 says, even 8s grow tired and weary. <laughs> you know? No, that's not it. It's not, that's not how it goes. It's close. Uh, it's close. It's close. Um... No, I mean I felt in the beginning it was very exciting. Hmm. Very exciting. Like, oh yeah. I'm going to I'm going to have all these big decisions, but at that at that point, I was also, you know, I'm a high 7, so I was like super optimistic, like, oh yeah, that was like March. I'm like, by June things are going to be great. We're going to be great. Things are going to be back, you know, to normal. Actually my first, my staff if they listen to this, they'll say you're lying right now, Jason, cuz my first one was It started in March, and Easter was late that year. It was April 21st, and I was like, by Easter, we're going to be back inside. Everything's going to be great, you know, and then I was like, by June, and then I was like, by, in the summer, by the start of the school year. Then I was like, by Christmas, and eventually, I just, I got tired of uh, needing to challenge everything all the time, or feeling like I was being challenged, you know, on every little, you know, minute decision, and of course, I mean... Of course, how can it not work? We are innately civil or civic beings, designed to be in groups, designed we, we are designed to to see each other in not just as individuals, but also as a collective, right? As the body. And so, uh, you know, in the midst of that the election too, just it was just hyper challenge all the time. And I just got tired. Can there just be like an easy decision? Like a <laughs> Like a a decision that's like, hey, you know what? Instead of doing service at 10, we're going to do it at 10.20. Let's make an easy decision like that, you know?
0: Yeah, that's an easy decision. Oh. Well, in comparison. In comparison comparison, to like,
2: no one's going to die, right? Yeah. like, hey, okay. Let's let's change
0: from bread to wafers and communion.
2: There we go. Or like donuts to donut holes, right? It's really a little, a small decision. Yeah. You know, so feeling like... Man, I just—I was long. I find myself longing for those days of those easy decisions. And I don't think it matters if you're in leadership or not, right? Because you're—you know, no matter what form your the word family takes for people, right? Whether that's married, single, kids, no kids, right? Roommates, no roommates, you know, living on in whatever, right? Whatever form that that word takes for people, I think we all feel this sense of. We're just tired of having to like live on this constant stream of what decision am I going what pivoting decision am I going to need to make this week.
1: Yeah, right, even going into the grocery store.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: For me, I'm hyper aware of like the people in my life that if if I'm not careful walking in there mm-hmm. that I could get people sick in my family, friends, mm-hmm. you know.
0: I was just thinking, yeah, because it's that whole whatever I... It's own awareness that we probably always should have had to a point of, wow, what I do affects other people. Right. Hmm. There's a domino effect. And, I mean, honestly, that's always been true. Sure. That's always been true. But you don't notice it until something like this happens where, wow, now my decisions feel like they have so much more impact. Yeah. On not just my own life.
1: Yeah.
2: Right, like you know, as an eight and a challenger, right? I, you know, as in a high extrovert, the proverb, you know, uh, where words are many, sin is surely not absent, mm. comes true in my life all the time. And uh, mm, preach, yeah, and uh, and so right, like in those, I knew my decisions affected people. Right, I have to say, I feel like I have to say sorry. It's like one of my top five words, you know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but like my decisions. Never before in my life could I come to a point where I could receive a phone call that says, hey, Mr. Hickey, we want to let you know that you are the point of origin of this contact trace where such and such person died, mm-hmm. right? Like, I've never served in the armed forces, so I've never had that, that sense of, like, this person's life, you know, is in my hands. And so I feel like, yeah, even things as simple as going to the grocery store, you know, going out to eat. Whatever it is, right? Hanging out for family dinners in our neighborhoods, which was just such a normal thing because the neighborhood we live in has such a, uh, is such a great neighborhood. It has, has a bunch of kids around my kids' age. And every weekend was practically a family dinner, you know, and maybe one night a week. And then to go from that to fear or at least not, not necessarily just fear, but also just like a, a hypersensitivity and yeah. awareness of my decisions really make Really affect other people right
1: now. For you in this season, what have you gone to healthy or unhealthy for coping mechanisms to deal with this growing
2: weariness? Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, lots of them. You know, some some pastors and have you know certain theological convictions that that I don't have. I love beer, and uh, you know I just love it, and it's just delicious, and so. And definitely in that I found myself like, oh, okay, hey, maybe we're maybe we're choosing not we're not drinking beer because we're loving it, we're drinking beer because I feel like I want to escape something or whatever. Uh. You know, and having to constantly like, hey, all right, well let's go on a fast, right? You know, and let's let's bring that back to the Lord. Definitely that happened in the beginning and then throughout, I think distraction. Just anything to distract whatever it is, right? Whether it's MLB the Show on PlayStation or Madden or you know Uncharted or you know video games on my phone, games on my phone, books. I I found myself reading more, which you go like, "Oh, that's a good thing," right? But I already read like 8 to 12 books at a time. So, like reading more was wasn't because, "Oh, I want to know more." Oh, I really wanted the joy of learning. It was like no, I want to just distract from the reality of the situation. And as an 8, I found myself coping by challenging.
1: Mm. Like, like what did that look like?
2: A lot of social media arguing. <laughs> yeah, super fun. <sighs> Kim, you love it? You ready? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. The,
0: the nine sitting over uh-huh. here is sitting there going, Wow, you just entered my nightmare zone. And I would have, like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have unfriended you if we were friends on social media. I would have unfollowed you, however. Sure, sure, sure. To sure. not right. deal with it.
2: Right, right. I feel like you should have at least snoozed me once or twice. Before you unfollowed me, though, I feel like I feel hurt yeah. by the fact that you go right right to the unfollow. You know,
0: like uh, well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's for, and once again, the nine's going to retract that statement and like, go like, "You're right. I probably should just snooze you for a little bit and see if it gets better." <laughs> mm, it it,
2: it would have. You should have just unfollowed me. Uh,
1: you've, you've just offended Jason in this imaginary scenario. Yeah, in this imaginary, well, scenario,
2: imaginary scenario, scenario, that I'm not offended in at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think I even found myself like dipping into that shadow self of, "Hey, I could win. Let me win. Let me win more." Which is a strong a strong pull for a for a challenger.
1: Does that feel like a need because in this that keeps going on and on and on, there are diminishing or seemingly diminishing victories or wins in this?
2: I'm just I mean, I'm a competitive person in general, and I mean, even last night, right? So, you know, The Dodgers were facing the Cardinals in the wild game series. If they lost, they're out for the season. We have a text thread among my cousins. And, you know, two out of the three other people on the text thread are just literally, like, raking me over the coals and the Dodgers over the coals, like, hoping we lose. Like, it's a good thing the Dodgers suck. They're going to lose. Right? This is how my family operates. Like, we're all competitive. You know? And, I know, Kim, you're like, oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, just to be clear. We well, ironically,
0: not- I actually am competitive. I just like to pretend I'm not because then I when I lose...
2: You're fine. You th- You're fine? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's impossible because I have hit the table um, <laughs> and walked out. Mm. I think I'm just wired to be a competitive person, so I kind of found myself trying to dip into that, like, oh, just get more competitive. Right? That'll help me be distracted from mm. the feeling of the weight of everything going on, you know, and feeling like I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. I already had no idea what I was doing as a lead pastor. This is my first rodeo, right? So, I, I mean, I was already start, I was starting from that place. So, add this, and it's like, well, okay, nobody knows what they're doing, mm. but it's like, now it's like double whammy. So, not only do I not know how to be a lead pastor, no, but no one knows how to lead in something like this. Mm. So... So I think, I mean, there was just all sorts of these compulsions of mine and all sorts of these, and I think really good things, by the way. So those are all the bad things. I think there were also really good things, too. I spent a lot more time writing, spent a lot more time just not speaking, which is a discipline for me. And I spent a lot more time cultivating kind of a heart of attentiveness to that reality that was there before. Like, hey, COVID decisions... Are not the only decisions that harm people or that hurt people, and just because we're called to be gracious and we're called to be forgiving, doesn't mean that we should take other things like lightly, right? Like playing around or joking around or things like that. So I think just really diving into a sense of like solitude and silence and allowing God to speak. Here's some areas that I want to look into with you, yeah. and here's some areas that I want to I want to refine in you, I want to grow in you, and I want to work in. While you have the luxury of not being able to talk to as many people. Yeah.
1: Were those times of silence and solitude intentional, unintentional, or both?
2: I think the ones that were helpful were intentional.
1: Okay. What did that look like? How did you go forward into intention with those? I feel like we talk a lot about prayer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and reading scripture and mm-hmm. even these kinds of things in church services and I feel like we don't get into the nuts and bolts of what does that look like for me and right. help people then have some handholds. Yeah. So yeah. what did that look like for you? What was the rhythm? What did you do?
2: So I think uh, a couple things. Number one, I worked in a place where the church facility, the church campus is large enough and we're a small enough staff to where we could work on, on campus. Right? You know, it's like a 20-something thousand square foot building, wow. right? And, and so there was plenty of room. So there were times where, you know, during the shelter and home mandate, of course, we didn't go in. But in uh, the rest of the time, you know, we were going into the office. And so for me, what it looked like is needing to pick out what the, the writers call like a sacred space, kind of that that space that you only do that one thing in. Mm-hmm. So for me, you know, there was a space at work where I would walk to, and I'm at work, right? I, I'm, I'm supposed to be working, right? Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I shouldn't be working. <laughs> you know, I'm um, like, oh, he gets to do his quiet time on his work hours. Like, I don't do that. But I would take, you know, a 15-minute break. And I would walk to this space, and it would be this one space, the only time I sat there throughout the week. And I would do it probably twice to three times a week. So I'm in the office office. I'm at My work week is Sunday through Thursday. And I'm in the office office, you know, Monday through Thursday you know, two or three of those days, I would go to that space for like 15 minutes, read a psalm, and then just sit there and allow God to just speak to me in it. And then I would, I have that same thing at home, you know, but I would either read a psalm at home or a, a narrative from Jesus. Mm. And just sit there and ask God, you know, like the Leptio guy Pennington says, right? Would your word sift me and know me Then I try to sift it and know it? Mm. Um, when, in, you know speaking of nuts and bolts you may be like well how do you do that well by the spirit right like that's it you just sit there and pray God help like, help me not be distracted which takes time and it takes practice a lot of practice everyone has racing thoughts right and it's when we learn to stop fighting them and let them just pass on by that we can actually be still
1: I've learned for me in this season of, of listening to actually notice them and hold them up as conversation pieces mm to, I used to push him aside, Yeah, you know, like, this is a distracting thought. I yeah. need to be back, go back to praying what I think
2: mm-hmm. God
1: wants me to pray. And he showed me, like, right when COVID hit, that's when I went on sabbatical. And God, I was so tired. I was mm-hmm. weary. Moving here to start a church community, not knowing anybody. Like, that's already an exhausting yeah. deal. Yeah, I definitely couldn't do that. And God was like, you know, what? the real reason you're tired, Kurt, is because you pray out of what you think I want to hear out of the shreds and not out of what is. Yeah. And so stop pushing those things aside.
2: Yeah.
1: And actually hold them up. Yeah. And say, this is, this is the distracting thought. This is the distracting feeling. Mm. These are the things. And I'm going to just give those to you. I'm just going to place them with you if you want to speak into those. And then I'm going to go back to stillness. Yeah. And it's like, Instead of pushing it aside, its, it's I found so, so much more rest and just almost like unburdening myself, you know, yeah. like yeah. just putting them in God's presence and surrender. And, and he, he showed me, one of the things was, he showed me, um, was how much I would pray about things and not leave it there. Mm-hmm. It's like, you pray, but you don't surrender.
2: Yeah, that's good.
1: Anyway so yeah mine is like
2: anyone can do it faith or not right like mine is just kind of imagining them you know kind of driving past Mm. and if god wants to bring it back around like i let that happen right but i just kind of imagine you know and then sometimes god's like uh, and bring brings it back around but i just you know say hey god i I see that thought Mm. and just acknowledge it right and then you know let god do whatever he's going to yeah. Um, so it's kind of similar yeah. to what you're doing, only I don't intentionally kind of just say, hey, I'm, I'm having this distracting thought. I'm just more like, hey, there's this distracting thought, and this one, and this one, and this one, and this one, right? And then I just kind of, it's like cars on a road, and trying to trying to get that road to be whatever God wants it to be in my, in my head.
1: But even in that, what I hear is, one, awareness. Mm-hmm. You're aware of them. Mm-hmm. Two, there's a sense in, in, of you letting them go by. That you're not beholden to them, that you're not a victim of those. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, almost unintentionally, we actually think we're powerless. Yes. Against those things, and we act like a victim, and we're not even realizing yet. Oh yeah. To our own thoughts and feelings.
2: Oh yeah. I think I do that. I mean, I have this little cheesy exercise that I do with a pencil in my hand when people are like feeling like powerless over their own thoughts, and I just hold a pencil in my hand and I asked them to be able to see it so much like in their mind's eye. So to close their eyes and imagine the pencil. And then I want and then I asked them in my hand. And then I asked them to imagine me throwing the pencil up and catching it. Which I didn't do. And then I asked them to open their eyes again. I said, you know, were you able to see that? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, well I didn't do that. You just controlled what you thought. Hmm. So you aren't a victim. You can do it. You're so unaccustomed to doing it that you don't even know where to begin. But it's as simple as throwing a pencil up in the air. Hmm. It's not easy, but it's simple.
1: That is a good distinction.
2: <laughs> Simplicity is often the most difficult.
1: <laughs> Can we go back to the, uh, those places where you, you do nothing else? Yeah. Why do you think that's helpful to you and to maybe other people?
2: I think the very act of getting up and going somewhere creates an intention. It's the same reason people pay gobs of money to go, go to the gym, right? It creates the intention and the, the, the mental and emotional posture of like, hey, I'm going to go exert myself. Right? I feel like the same thing is true of our spiritual lives. I'm getting up from what I'm doing, and I'm going to go be with you guys. I, I'm, I'm physically doing that. I'm doing with my body what I'm hoping to do with my mind and my soul and my heart.
1: And that's a good point, is that they're all intricately tied. When Jesus said the word peace, peace to you, when he first rose from the dead, mm-hmm. he comes into the room where his disciples are, and those are the words he uses right after his resurrection, or ap- when they first see him. Yeah, Peace there, right? Shalom, which is really harmony, wholeness, completeness— yeah. I think a lot of the times as people, we don't recognize there is this connecting tissue to have connections with our mind, our body, and our spirit, right? Yeah. That's how actually I, I would define the soul. It is the system of those systems. Mm. Like the body is just, it's, it's just an integrated system of systems.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I see the soul as that same thing, as an integration of mind, body, and spirit. And so what I hear you saying is when I choose to control my body to lead it to some place that has become familiar to it, like almost like muscle memory, that I put it in this place where it has expectations. Like when I go to the gym, that's what it's there for, right? Right. This particular location is for working out and my body anticipates that.
2: Right. You're not like, hey, I'm going to go to the gym so I can eat ice cream. <laughs> right. I mean, that would be great. That would be my favorite gym. You know, like <laughs> wouldn't be um, very
0: helpful, but it would be awesome. Right.
2: Right. Right. So, I mean, yeah, exactly what you're saying is, it is the culmination of doing our habits well, and I just think that there's a lot of truth to that because when Jesus asked the disciples to be his disciples, he basically said, "Get up from what you're doing and do something different." And mm. I feel like for me, I'm a, I'm a doer. So getting up and, and having this intention to push my do towards something, and even having that, like, I don't know, the, the walk to it. It's only a 30 second walk or, yeah. or a minute walk, but at the speed of thought, that's a long time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Neuroscience says that we have a 10 second gap between a thought and an
2: action. Yeah.
1: So if you have a walk, that gives you even more time to meditate.
2: Right, exactly. And I think too, right, like you're saying, the nuts and bolts. I am saying to God on that, you know, on that quick walk, right. Hey, I want to go be with you, yeah. and I know I'll be distracted. So help me be with you, right. Teach me what you want. Don't don't let me run the show. Mm. You know, and just you know, this constant way of posturing my myself to receive from God. You know, instead of, hey, you know, like most of us say, hey, I'm going to go spend time with God. What does that mean? Well, I'm going to go intellectually grapple my Bible, mm. and I'm going to go talk at God. Now, some of it will be praise and adoration, and it will be at Him, right? Or, or at very best, to Him. So, you know, a lot of us at least. And then we'll ask for things, and then we'll, and then we'll end, right? And there's very little with Him in there. Mm. And when we, when we say, I'm going to go read my Bible and pray... That's a really, really, really good thing, a thing that God desires for us. But if we take it from the posture of, I'm going to go do this, and thus I'm in charge, that's where I think we get a lot of mental and emotional gap that we don't remind ourselves along the way before we say, when we say, hey, I'm going to go do this, to remind ourselves, and I'm not in charge, and I'm here to receive, I'm I'm not here to add anything to the Almighty. Yeah. Right? I'm... I'm here to receive from him because I lack. (laughs)
0: Hmm. I'm sorry. I'm laughing because you've got that. And then I've been borrowing Kurt's uh, lower porch to just kind of hang out with God. And that's been what he's been convicting me of a lot because we both fall in the body type, which is our, despite nines being so laid back, we're all, we've all fallen the doing Hmm. category. And he's just like, he keeps saying, he's like, I just want you to be with me. Yeah. And if that means you fall asleep because you're just being present to me and you're just relaxing with me, then that's what I want.
2: Right.
0: And he's like, just, just calm down and, and take your hands off the reins. Sorry, of course, girl here. So the no, reins, the reins thing works for me. Yeah. He's like, take your hands off the reins. Like, that's, that's not what I want for you. Like, right. give me your agenda. Like, yeah. I know you've got like, Hey, look, I had two dreams this week. I want to process these with you or whatever. Right how about you give me the agenda and then let me bring up the stuff that I want to cover?
2: Yeah.
0: You know, because like, yeah. he's like, I, I kind of know better than you do what you actually need in this moment. Right.
1: Totally. <laughs> I don't think he uses the word kinda. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, He's he, gracious and gentle. He, he's uh, gracious okay. and gentle. There you go. Sometimes the nine needs a little more gentle than the blunt, no, just take a chill pill and let it go, which I've also gotten from him.
2: <laughs> I, I think it's fascinating, right? All of us want... To be Elijah on Mount Carmel, but most of us tend to be Elijah after Mount Carmel. Right. <laughs> We're throwing temper tantrums <laughs> because what do we need? Snacks and naps. Right. We hmm. just need, we need to take some. Take he, he was exhausted. Eat food, take he needed. Discouraged. He was, yeah, he was discouraged, right? He was hangry. He was tangry, right? Oh. And he was discouraged. And God was like, hey, can you just go in this cave? and go to sleep for five minutes, please, so you can, like, stop being so tangry. And here, here's the Snickers. You're such a diva, right? Like, you're such a diva when you're hungry, Elijah. Like That's how I imagine that, Like, how, like, God already, you know, knew that the Snickers commercial was going to happen, too. So he was like... This is the first time that I it's gonna be in the word and it's gonna be like the same thing. Here, have this. You're such a diva when you get hungry, your <laughs> Um And I'd like to believe that it that, you know, God in his in his wisdom could have and would have done that had they understood the diva concept back then. You know, and, um had that been a, a part of the language. But but I do think, right, like the we j- we wanna be that doer. We wanna like have this miraculous moment, but we are so overwhelmed with just our day-to-day, you know, being embodied creatures, mm. right? Being primarily feelings creatures, not, as Descartes would have us believe, thinking right. creatures. Yes. We are primarily feeling creatures.
1: We react right way more than re- we respond, which is an emotional thing.
2: Right? Yes. And so, so I think, you know... When I can remember Elijah in that time and I can try to be like, hey, how am I being post-Mount Carmel Elijah right now? That's when I really recognize I need to go. I need to get away. And I need to go to the gym.
1: Mm. (laughs) Because I need
2: need to run, right? And the gyms were closed, right? Right. uh, In the very beginning, the first uh, stimulus check, we bought an elliptical because I have some, like, knee and ankle mm-hmm. joint issues. And so I can only run on an elliptical without dying, you know. And so, so yeah, so I'm mean, going to just get up, get on the elliptical. I mean, even as we're having this conversation, before, as I was driving over here, I was feeling a sense of, like, okay, hey, God, you're really bringing me back to, I think, a really great place of, like, working on certain disciplines that that really helped me f- feel Connected to God and 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 bear fruit in my life. Disciplines of vigil, disciplines of solitude, and uh, and of fasting. But I'm still anxious, and the reason is is because it's been like four weeks since I've, or no, like six or seven weeks since I've been like regularly running. Mm. You know, on the elliptical. It's like, hey, you get. It's both. I often find that God is much more inclined to the word and. Oh yeah. Not or.
1: Right? Or
0: but.
2: Right, mm-hmm. yeah, both mm-hmm. and, both and, but this too. So yeah, so I mean, I think in the midst of all those, you know, coping mechanisms, God reminded me of the simplicity, the difficulty of that simplicity, and then ultimately that that has led to this, you know, in these last, I'd say, six to nine months of just kind of this movement and progression towards being feeling released from, like you like you said, reacting to the world around me, instead of saying, let, let's get back to moving through the world with intention and, a, and the peace, the, the wholeness or the fullness or the flourishing mm. concept of Shalom.
1: Mm. Would you define vigil with that practice? What is that?
2: Yes. It's where you get up on the, the great wall of your city and look for the enemies to attack and you sound a horn when they, when they come. Oh, wait. No, that's not it. I was going to uh, say, how does that work spiritually? <laughs> <laughs> that's what the word comes from. Um, is You're the, the person in the watchtower looking out for the enemy um, that's coming to the city. But uh, in the spiritual you know context, vigil is intentionally, not on accident, but intentionally waking up and depriving yourself of sleep for the purpose of allowing God to make you come more and more awake to his will in your life. Mm. So we're in a series right now called sacred rhythms at renovate. We're Mm. talking about different spiritual disciplines as rhythms of our lives. And, and what I said in there, like vigil is getting up physically to make sure you are awake spiritually. Mm. And that just means you get up and you pray. And and usually it starts with reading of a passage of scripture, but then just for me, Vigil always starts with Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my anxious thoughts. You know, see if there's any wicked or offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting.
1: Mm.
2: And, and I just sit and I just allow God to sometimes gently and sometimes not so gently bring up those things that, that need to go. Uh, and sometimes though, sometimes vigil has been for mourning, not M-O-R-N, but M-O-U-R-N. Right, of mourning something in my life waking grieving. up grieving yeah waking up just to tell God that I'm upset with him tell God that I don't like what he's allowing tell God that his plan is, is, is not my plan and that I think his plan sucks and <laughs> and that I'm sad about it and then I'm angry about it and then I'm you know right as an eight you know you, you start with the frustration and then you know you ev- eventually make it to the to the ugly crying you know what I mean uh.
1: Do you know? Do you know what he means? Enneagram nine.
0: Actually, yeah, because I normally start with the yelling too. Ironically, yeah, it it Mm -hmm. might be that one part of me that does tap into my little eight wing, which is Mm -hmm. much smaller than my one, because I tend to start off with the "God, I don't like what you're doing." Yeah, Mm -hmm. "God, this hurts."
2: Yeah,
0: "I don't like this. I've never liked this." And yes, then the ugly tears.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and so I think just get. I mean, whatever the focus is, it can be. You know, it can be a time. To mourn something, it can be a time to be sifted, but the whole purpose of it is really to come into alignment with who God is and what he's doing in my life and to be able to see it. Because oftentimes I feel like given the choice, I mean I've been a Christian now for 26, almost 27 years, like I feel like if I'm in a in a in a spot where I'm like rational, given the choice between coming into alignment with who God is and what he wants or not. 99 times out of 100 i'm going to choose yes I want that I want to be in alignment but it's getting myself to that point of like being rational enough and being aware enough that he's still good that he knows what he's doing mm. and that this thing that i'm freaking out about or mourning or or, or whatever or, or just you know wasn't even aware of that this habit that i'm doing
0: mm.
2: all right is is gonna be we're it's gonna be fine we're gonna be okay This isn't as big as I'm making it out to be. And God has this. And it's just getting myself to that place that takes so much time. And I find that for me, personally, I'm just way more raw with less filter when I wake up from a dead sleep um, to talk to God. Mm. So, yeah, that's what it is for me.
1: Just everything you just said is true of all of us. We all need that. And we're all in this together I'm so sick of those commercials right? Yes. but it's, but it, it's true yeah. that we're all journeying through this, this difficult period and not everyone is leading a whole church community but we are leading ourselves and other people and a lot of people are getting weary and I think would identify with that so would you mind closing us out by just praying yeah. for anyone who's listening yeah. who's going through that same struggle of weariness.
2: Yeah. And I think just, like, just one more thing. Like, sure. I think it's counterintuitive to battle weariness with, with depriving yourself of sleep. That's <laughs> counterintuitive. <laughs> True. Right? Very. And here's the thing is, is that most of us sleep enough, unless we have poor sleeping habits and patterns or, or mm-hmm. struggle with insomnia. I have, you know, uh, throughout my life at different periods, right? But most of us get enough sleep. We just don't get enough rest. And what I'll tell you is what God can do with those like three or four hours after I go back to bed, after I've gotten up at like three o'clock in the morning or two o'clock in the morning to do my vigil and I'm up for 30 minutes to an hour, that sleep afterwards is like I slept for an entire day. Mm. So the rest of that, I know it's counterintuitive for you that are listening, and, and it may take some work to do, but, but if, you can, if you can do it, number one, don't be, don't be a me and try to do it every night. Do it once every other week or once a month. But man, oh man, God can multiply those three hours of sleep to be the most powerful hours you'll have your entire month. So wow. let me pray for us. Yeah. yeah, God, thanks for today. Wherever, Whenever somebody's listening to this, whatever day they're listening to it, thank you for that day. Thank you for their day. Thank you for the fact that the universe, or at least our little pocket of it, was made different because of them in their day thank you that you've only made one of us especially thank you that you've only made one of me <laughs> uh, my my arch nemesis doppelganger would be a terrible sight to see and so lord i'm just i'm just thankful for the uniqueness the ways that you've crafted us and molded us and shaped us and yet also god even though you know us so intimately and you know exactly what we need exactly when we need it you still give us the freedom to just stumble forward towards you. And so I pray for each person, God, who's taking the time to listen to this, wherever they're at, and how they're coping, whether they're dipping into some really, really bad habits, some really destructive habits, some really maybe even backsliding into some habits that that they've gotten out of pre-COVID that were destructive or just unhealthy. I pray that you would remind them that you don't love them any less. Mm. I pray that you would remind them of your word and your promise in lamentations that it is because of your covenant, stubborn love, that your mercy is new each and every morning, God, and that we would call that to mind and have hope because we know that hope in you does not disappoint. And so Jesus, I am thankful for each and every person listening to this wherever they're at, And whatever they're doing, I just ask that they would see you and experience you and as a result, know you in a way that leads them to abiding in you more and more and more each day. Mm -hmm. God, I've just been fascinated that you've given me this picture of our life as a method or as a um, process of building a house for you and your kids to dwell in, this concept of abiding. And so God, would you help each and every person listening? To take a step towards you to build that house for you and them to dwell in together. God, we love you and we honor you to the best of our ability with your help. And when we blow it, we are so thankful for your forgiveness and your grace and your mercy. And so God, we love you. We give you ourselves, not because you need us, but because you desire it. Because you desire us. And pray all Jesus in your name. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you, Jason. Wow, this is rich. This is really good.
2: Thanks, man. It was fun to be here. Thank you. Thanks, Kim.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad to meet you.
2: Yeah, really good to meet you. And your purple hair is awesome. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah,
1: that's a, I don't think we've ever pointed that out on air before. So.
0: Nope. There you go. People, I have
2: purple hair right now. <laughs>
1: it's
0: all right. I
2: have white hair in my beard, but I didn't dye it that way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> the,
1: the, thing, the thing that I really enjoyed was the vigil. I've never been in a conversation like that. That's cool. Some of my most pivotal experiences that have changed my life have happened in the middle of the night. So that's really cool to hear the intentional idea of fasting from sleep as vigil, you know? One of the things that I pictured was when you and Kim were talking about intentionally going from where you were working. Mm Mm-hmm. To somewhere else. Mm -hmm. What hit me was intentional doing that leads to being. Yeah. That was really cool. Exactly. Thanks for that.
2: And I think that that's, I mean, gosh, in the, you know, whatever, however many pages I've read and books I've read about, you know, developing the spiritual life from monks and nuns and saints and, or whatever, everyone in between, I mean, I feel like that's the thing they say over and over again. You have to do something to get yourself to a place of becoming something else.
1: Mm. Well, that's a beautiful place to leave right there. I don't think (laughs) we need to say anything else, but thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Life Hurts, God Heals. Before you go, let me ask you a question. Are you stuck in any way in your life, whether it's being stuck in past wounds that you can't seem to get over, or whether it's just being stuck in certain patterns of thinking and behaving now that you just can't seem to get past, or you feel stuck when it comes to the future. You want to know what God has for you and how to move into that. Well, let me help you with that. As a coach, my goal is to help you discover who God made you to be. What is your unique identity? Let me help you discover that because everything else you want out of life flows from that. If you're interested in having a consultation with me, you can reach me at coachkurt777 at gmail.com. That's coachkurt as in C-O-A-C-H-K-U-R-T-777 at gmail.com. Until next time, remember, you are God's beloved, so be loved.